glad you are with us for another Text a Nation interview. I'm Fred Fishkin. Boston Children's Hospital has announced the launch of the Digital Wellness Lab, a unique research and innovation incubator focused on the effects of digital technology on our brains, bodies, and behaviors. And joining us is Dr. Michael Rich, professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School and founder of the Digital Wellness Lab. Thanks for taking the time, Dr. Rich. Thanks for having me. Well, describe for us to start with what the need is for the, the kind of work you're going to be doing here. Uh, the need is huge, particularly since the pandemic lockdown basically forced us all on screens for virtually all of our waking days. Um, you know, we what we used to call the virtual world has overnight become the world. Um, it's where we learn as uh, students, it's where we work, it's where we do transactions, where we conduct relationships. Um, and, you know, we are inheriting a legacy of uh, half a century from the beginnings of television of anxiety and wariness and frankly, guilt in parents around the use of screens in our lives. So we need to take a step back and take a good look from a public health lens for physical, mental, and social health at exactly how we are changed in positive as well as negative ways by the screens we use and how we use them. Now, you've conducted a, a survey taking a look at how the pandemic lockdown year has affected kids, their parents, families, all of our digital behaviors and wellness. What did you find? Um, we were actually pleasantly surprised to find that uh, over 60% of parents felt that their kids' education in the remote setting was going quite well. And in fact, many of them felt that they were drawn into the triad of teacher, student, and parent far better than when the kids were in person school. Um, so I think that um, we have to see that there's some benefits here. Now, at the same time, many of these parents really felt that their kids' social emotional growth um, has been sort of stalled out this year. Um, that the, the big, big part of school is actually that you're an individual for the first time. You're not defined by your parents, by your siblings. You are entering a society and you're deciding who you are and how to behave in it. And that has not been well served in the remote learning situation. Well, the whole situation can be, I think, confusing for a lot of parents. Many kids have to be online in front of the screen for school. And very often the school days are shortened, I believe, when, when they're online. And that means kids have more free time. And what are they doing with that free time? It's back on the computer for video games, or maybe the TV goes on. And parents, if they're working which many are, and sometimes in the next room, they, they don't have the opportunity really to be supervising. Well, what's interesting uh, that we're seeing is that these kids do have free time. And when they go online um, in their free time, they're often seeking each other out. So even though they are gaming, um, they're gaming on things like Minecraft and Roblox where they are interacting with each other. And when I, as their physician, talk to the kids about playing Fortnite or, or Minecraft, they call it hanging out with their friends. They don't think of it as a game that they have to win or lose so much as 
they are in it to be with their friends and to work out some of that social emotional growth that they're not getting in the, you know, bumping up against each other in school. So what are you hoping that the digital wellness lab is going to be able to achieve, accomplish with solutions or advice? Well, I think that we have to recognize that our digital world and these devices that are in virtually every environment we're in, even on gas pumps, um, they're in our pockets, they're on our wrists, are really an environmental health influence. Um, that can go either way, positive or negative. Unfortunately, we have inherited this kind of dichotomous approach, which is either, you know, protect the children from the screens or, you know, freedom of expression and stop worrying about it. Um, but we need a much more nuanced response to this. We might need a much more informed response, much the way we use science to understand nutrition or uh, injury prevention. We want to bring good science to understanding exactly how we are changed, not just in terms of our physical, mental, and social health, but in terms of child development. Um, this is a, 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 a wraparound immersive environment that they are growing up in. And we need to understand how their brain development is affected by this. Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it just different and moving toward a new normal? And so the idea behind the Digital Wellness Lab is that much like the MIT Media Lab, what we're hoping to do is bring together diverse disciplines that interface on this and work the digital environment and shape it in a way that helps kids and all of us be healthier, smarter, and kinder to each other. So I'm hoping to put you know, a, a software engineer next to a pediatrician, next to a screenwriter, next to a neuroscientist and see what they come up with because I think we all have skills, perspectives and experience to bear on it. And I want to include as much as possible the tech and entertainment industry so these findings can be fed directly back, not just to the consumers, of digital media, but to the creators of digital media so that they can work together with us um, to create a, a better space, a, a, a safer, healthier, um, more empathetic space. Uh, as I say, we've got to stop criticizing and start synergizing. Do you have much concern about uh, a lessening, I assume there's a lessening of, of physical activity that, that's going on, you know, kids used to be outside playing with friends all day and after school and after school sports, et cetera. I assume there's a lot less. Do we need a Peloton for kids? <laughs> right. um, I, I, I do think there's a lot less, but interestingly, um, and perhaps unfortunately, this was a trend that was already starting before the pandemic. Um, the pandemic sort of accelerated and amplified this issue. Um, and I, these are the kind of things that we need to think about. I will say, however, that one of the unexpected side effects of this lockdown and remote schooling is that after five or six hours in front of a screen, um, these kids are actually closing the device and going outside and running around or shooting hoops or, or riding their bikes. Um, they have, without really anything other than you know environmental pressure come to the conclusion that 
this is no longer a playground. This screen is no longer a toy. It's a very powerful tool and it can be used in positive ways to learn, to connect with others. Um, but also they're, they're experiencing a little bit of Zoom burnout just like you and I are. And so in some ways, you know, we have evolved through this um, to have a much more respectful and responsible uh, eye on these devices we use. On the positive side, the technology is being used very often to connect generations of families together remotely. Absolutely. And, you know, distanced friends. Um, it, one of the interesting things with us being so isolated physically is that people are reaching out more to cousins and friends and, and fellow classmates that they haven't seen in years. Um, which we weren't doing before. So I think that we are also evolving and learning to use these tools and put them in the context of our everyday lives in ways that enrich us. At the same time, we have to be careful of the, you know, sort of uh, seductiveness of these screens that can just draw us in and keep us drawn in because there's always something more. There's always something else to play, there's also you know, more things to explore. And I think that um, we need to learn the same kind of self-discipline and self-regulation as we do around other enjoyable activities. Yeah, and some of the, some of the big tech companies are, that have been under the gun a little bit because of that, keeping people clicking, are, are now looking at ways to tell us it's time to turn things off or during certain hours. Right, and, and what our hope with the Digital Wellness Lab is that they will, instead of playing defense on these issues and sort of explaining it away, that they will work side by side with us to improve the environment, um, that they will find ways to do good while doing well. Um, and, you know, in some corners, they're in danger of being turned into the tobacco companies of the 21st century. They are not tobacco. They are not a product that is toxic when used as directed. They are creators of a product that can do great good or harm, um, depending on how we use it. So what we're trying to do is bring the science to bear in a way that is translatable for parents, for people in their everyday lives to learn to use these devices and these applications and platforms in ways that enhance their humanity and help them, um, but also to feed back to the industries those features that they built in to increase consumer engagement, which is a good business plan, um, but that may also have gone overboard in the sense of keeping them hooked in long beyond when there's any value of it to them. And I think we can reach a balance as long as we keep talking to each other and not yelling at each other about what we're doing wrong. And I shudder to think where we would be, where we would be without the screens over this past year. And Absolutely. Work and education, et cetera. Absolutely. Think of it had this pandemic hit 10 years ago. Um, we would not have been able to keep our kids educated and uninfected. Um, when you look back 100 years at the Spanish flu epidemic, um, an estimated 100 million people died of that. You know, we're, we're, we're upset about 500,000 and 
that those are tragic, terrible deaths and we did not need to go there. But when we look back to a period of time when they had to keep economies going, when they had to keep schooling going, um, despite the risk of infection, um, these technologies have really helped us survive and even thrive in very, very tough times. Well, for more information, folks can head to digitalwellnesslab.org. Dr. Michael Rich, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thank you. It's great speaking with you. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC Skywave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.